It's time to talk University of Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web with head coach Chris Mooney, live from World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Tonight's show is brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners Co-Star Group and Bon Secours Health System, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join in online anytime and be a part of the show with your questions and comments. Text 804-327-0888. Email behind the web at richmond.edu or on Twitter using at Spider Voice, at Richmond Athletics, or at ESPN Richmond. Now, here's the voice of the Spiders, Bob Black, with Coach Mooney. This is Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Jai Bailey driving to the basket. Nice running one-hander by Bailey. Right hand from the left side, spins it in, hits the floor, and draws the foul. Bigelow to the basket, driving right-handed layup is good by Bigelow. A Richmond high 19 for Isaiah. Cross-court pass to Randolph. Great no-look pass underneath the hoop to Neil Quinn, who rises and dunks it with two hands. Nice find by Randolph. Really nice find. And we are glad you have found us tonight for Behind the Web. Those of you here at World of Beer in Short Pump, we thank you for finding us on our regular Monday night, and thanks for coming in. Great to see so many familiar faces and some new ones in the crowd here tonight. We appreciate you being with us. Or if you're tuned in, 1061 ESPN, our flagship station, and online at ESPNRichmond.com and RichmondSpiders.com. Bob Black with Richmond head coach Chris Mooney, our special player guest, freshman Mike Walls, coming up in the middle segments, getting an opportunity to publicly introduce him to our Spider fans here at World of Beer. And you heard the ways you can interact with the program. Please do, 804 327 if you'd like to text us or behind the web at richmond.edu if you'd like to email us and if you're in the house you can bring your question up and you can do it the old-fashioned way write your question on a napkin and bring it up and we'll get to it and everybody in the house knows i'm not embellishing that for radio i really do have some questions written on the good old napkin like coach mooney used to diagram plays on the napkin in the restaurant we got questions on the napkin tonight good evening chris how are you I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks. Uh, tough week, obviously, for the Spiders with the losses at UMass and Dayton. Uh, there, on let's kind of dissect it a little bit. Um, offense. Let's start there because on the open, there were three highlights in the last two games, and all of them were interior baskets. All of them were in the paint. All of them were were driving to the rim. I know we've talked about that individually with Neil Quinn. But how much of an emphasis is that in general for the entire team to get some easy buckets inside, which maybe will open other things up? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really a huge emphasis. And, you know, there there are different ways to get um, easier baskets, you know, um, uh, a transition, uh, turnover, those kinds of things. And then in when you're in your half court offense, you know, getting baskets on post moves or cuts um, or drives to the basket are 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 always really valuable. It puts more pressure on the defense. It makes the defense have to move and react. Uh, that usually does open things up on the perimeter or the next guy to drive or make a decision there. So that's something that that's very important to us and something I think that, um, you know, we, we need to continue to improve on and get better. I, I think uh, a good stat from the week is that Neil was, was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's, 
he's uh, you know taking it upon himself to be more assertive and try to score inside more, which is which is extremely important to us. Um, you know, and I think obviously Tyler is a very very aggressive player, uh, and the more he can score on on the kind of plays we all recognize. You know, when he's he has the ability to, to drive sometimes and uh, from from the perimeter and get all the way to the basket or uh, get a foul. Um, but a lot of times we're best when he's you know uh, playing with a center or somebody and he's cutting one way or the other. He's just so difficult to guard in, in, in those situations, maybe as hard as, of, as anybody in the country to defend in that situation. So I think, yeah, I think trying to be aggressive, uh, those are always the things that are going to be really, really important. And, uh, you know, we have some guys who, who can do that uh, and just trying more and more to be aggressive. You know, some nights you're going to shoot the ball well, and that's going to be a real positive. Some nights you're not going to shoot the ball as well. You want your – your baskets, your consistent baskets that come from post moves and drives and uh, cuts to the basket that, that are a little bit easier and uh, don't take as much on the individual player to, to do because they're based a little bit more on your movement and the whole team playing together. On the on the Tyler front, how important and how impactful is it to have more of those highlights where the highlight is Bigelow, it's Quinn, it's, it's Jai Bailey, yeah. to take a little bit of the pressure not only off of him, but to make sure the defense has its eyes on the other guys on the court. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, obviously, uh, which we've said all year, Tyler has a lot on him the most uh, just because, one, he's the best player. He has a lot of, uh, you know, our fans and our team, and, we, you know, we're we're – um, very dependent on him to do all these different things that he does. And then there are the outside pressures that I'm sure he, nobody could ignore in terms of uh, the NBA and the draft and professional basketball. And I think Tyler does as, uh, as great a job as anybody ever could in, in terms of keeping the team first and making sure he's focused on, uh, you know, making sure he's in good shape, making sure he's the hardest worker on the team. Um, and you know, putting the team first and making sure we're, we're playing as well as we can together. Uh, you know, it's really impressive to see, I've, I've, you know, having been around a little bit, when you see players get in this position, it, the, the weight of all those, not, not just expectations, that's part of it, but the weight of all of the different uh, expectations many people have for them. Uh, start to really weigh down the player. Uh, and I don't think that's the case with Tyre, more because he looks at it appropriately. He, he loves Richmond and, and the Spiders, and he's trying to first and foremost make sure that we uh, have good practices and play well and, and do those kinds of things well. Um, so I, I think that I think that he uh, he's great and handles that, and then we all need to chip in and try to help him as best we can, as you said, because there are so many eyes on him, especially when we're on the court on defense. Yeah, I think he's accomplishing all of what you just rattled off on that checklist. I think he's he's checking all those boxes. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. Uh, the other guy who I would mention who uh, he's coming off this best game as a spider, but that's kind of why I bring it up is Isaiah, and it seemed like driving to the basket helped him as much as anything and i think he told us this on the post game as well it really gave him confidence to take when he was open the perimeter shot which yeah. he'd struggled at lately and he just seemed more confident and made more of those and he said it was a result it got some hoops around yeah. the basket and it, it kind of opened everything up for me yeah you know I, I think that's something that all players you know scoring and and shooting specifically are just out Overweighted in a player's in a player's mind, and partly because that's a lot of what you practice and that's what you've worked on your whole life. 
Uh, not a lot of guys go to the park and do defensive slides and <laughs> rebounding drills. So, uh, and so I think for Isaiah, that's that's one thing we've been talking about is that, you know, as he's learning how we play and then how the opportunities come out of when we play, um, how can he how can he get to those um, and then not having your aggressiveness just be based on a three-point shot? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we want him to shoot threes, and uh, he's a good shooter, and I think he'll continue to improve his, his percentage from out there. But when you go in and you get a rebound or you dive on the floor or you get a cut to the basket, you get to the free-throw line, you know, the game just starts to become a little bit easier and more fluid for you. And then I think you're, you're more comfortable shooting. And I think that is exactly what happened on, on Saturday for him. And he's really, I think, improved. I mean, he's, he's worked at it. And, you know, when you're older, that's not the easiest thing to work on because you might be so set in your ways and you're convinced that you can, can do it this way. And, you know, just by playing every day, I think he starts to feel like, oh, I can, I, that, that'd be something that I can do. And, you know, he picks up things. Uh, like a lot of players do, playing while he's out there on the floor. I think that he's slowed down a little bit in terms of just, you know, um, whether you say going through your reads or you're making your decisions, I think he's paused a little bit and been calmer. Uh, and that has resulted in, in, in some great shots and some great finishes around the basket. And he sure can rebound. We know he that. He can his really rebound the ball. His yeah. go-get-the-ball has been great. I, I've kind of taken you down this path offensively and, and, and improvement and all. From your perspective, what are you looking for now, general terms, offensively, to, to put some more numbers on the board and, as you said, get some more, some more easy buckets for the yeah. team? Well, I think uh, a couple of things. One, uh, our, our turnovers are still not exactly where we want them to be, mm-hmm. uh, but they're certainly lower. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's by most teams, you know, evaluation is pretty, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we still have had some that have triggered transition. And I think that's kind of part of part of an issue that, you know, you're nobody's really good transition defense. In other words, nobody, when the other team has numbers, nobody has great defensive statistics because you're at such a disadvantage and turnovers often put you in that position um so i I, that's one i I think that um you know i think the way we pass and move the ball is very good i think you know certain guys in certain situations being more aggressive uh being aggressive at the right times and time and times that you feel it and times where the defense has moved uh, times where you have an opportunity to do something that you're comfortable with. I think that can put some pressure uh, on the defense. Uh, you know, w- we didn't make hardly any shots Saturday. You have to make a couple of shots because that's a little bit of the uh, the reward for, you know, having a good possession and throwing the ball around and, and getting yourself lined up. Uh, so you have to knock a couple of those down. Uh, but I, I do think that we have some really positive things, you know, there, there are guys who can score inside. There are guys who can score from the perimeter, and there are guys who can score in, in the mid-range. So, uh, assertiveness and aggressiveness are are probably the two things that we want the most of. And um, you know, again, we we play a lot for that reason, so that everybody can start to feel a little bit comfortable of where their drives are going to come from, where their shots are going to come from, post opportunities. Uh, this way, you're not calling it out or, or you know, trying to yeah. manipulate it. You're just playing, and then everybody's familiar with how it works. So, uh, so I do think while while we weren't good enough these these uh, last few games, I, I do think we have 
an ability to get there and to have really good, efficient offensive games. Um, and ho- hopefully those are those are on the horizon. Absolutely. And I thought this was really interesting from the UMass game, and you and I talked about this before the Dayton game. Even in that last stretch, the, the end of the game, the last three minutes, it looked like the shots were right. They were right, the right guys taking them, and at the right time, and they didn't fall. Yeah. Yes, no. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that happens a little bit more. It can happen at any time. Happens a little more on the road than it does at home. But I thought we were great in the last three minutes against UMass offensively. We moved the ball. We were aggressive without being panicked at all. We were poised. The one possession, you know, we had a drive, and then we threw it, you know, maybe four passes around the perimeter, and Tyler had a, a nice, uh, great look at a three. You know, and it went in and out. It didn't go in, and th- that was the one we rebounded a couple yeah, a of couple times. Yeah, a couple offensive rebounds too. But I, I was, I was really, uh, I was really pleased with with how we handled that. In other words, we were aggressive but still poised and played that way. And if you know, the more you do that, it's more of of you know than one possession or two possessions. The more you do that, the greater chance you have over the course of many possessions to to be successful. So. I thought that part was was great now because it felt like they made some hard shots at the mm-hmm. end and we didn't make some shots that were more makeable at the end. And, again, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. But I did think we, we uh, executed very well on offense late in the game. Absolutely. All right, on to defense, which has been really good all year long, bordering on great, as, as we have talked about. Have you seen a common thread in the past couple of games that, you know, was unthreaded from the, the first 18 games or so? To include Dayton, which, let's remember, they started 1 for 12 right. from the floor. So the first 10 minutes, seemingly the defense was back to where it had been. Yeah, I would say that what, what I uh, what I think, uh, I, you know, I think the most important part of defense is positioning. And so where are you in relation to the ball and your man, the basket? Uh, the you know the better position you're in, then good things happen from there. Uh, but the next part of defense is the pressure or uh, discomfort that the that the offensive team feels, and in in that way we, we were not good in either game. Uh, I think that um, you know we did not make them uh, have to you know dribble backwards or reset or uh, they they were just a little bit too comfortable. And so while our positioning was pretty good. I thought we just were not good enough at applying pressure. Um, and, you know, sometimes that has to do with uh, if if Neil was guarding a guy on the perimeter, there's only so much pressure he can apply to that player. But when you're, uh, you know, matched up with your man and we're in, we're in our defense, you know, you can't restrict them from running their plays legally. <laughs> um, <laughs> legally, but you can apply pressure, which makes them, not be able to throw it to their first option or second option and makes them go a little bit deeper. And uh, I would say for the majority, there were times where we were, we were pretty good, but for the majority of both games, we didn't apply enough pressure or make them feel off balance in any way. And I think that was, uh, that was a step backwards. All right. And I assume you worked on all of that offense and defense today, and we got it ready. All right, yeah, that's right. right. They got another right. day yet still. Right. Uh, all right. You talked about the big man, Neil Quinn. We've talked about other big guy, Matt Grace. We got another big guy with us tonight in Mike Walls, the spider freshman. Uh, we're going to introduce him to you. He's going to join us here at the head table after the break. Uh, we'll do that. 1061 ESPN is where you're tuned in. It's behind the web from World of Beer in Short Pump. Appreciate everyone here tonight and those listening on the radio and online. Back with Mike 
Mike Wall, Spider Freshman Center. He joins us next, Behind the Web, live from World of Beer on 1061 ESPN. Timeout's over. Now, more Behind the Web from World of Beer in Short Pump on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Bailey holds it out front, drives into the lane, the layup is off the glass, and Mike Walls will grab it, slam it home for a dunk on the rebound. Mike Walls with four. Mike Walls finishes it off with a dunk, and Richmond finishes it off in a big way today. Yeah, that was way back, the impressive victory over Drake back in uh, December, turning out to be a really great win for the Spiders. Drake's doing a, a really nice job, and Mike Walls had an opportunity to play some significant minutes in that game, had the four points and the three rebounds, and now we get an opportunity to find out more about him as he joins us on Behind the Web here at the head table at uh, World of Beer in Short Pump. Mike, thanks for uh, coming out. Really appreciate it. Great to have you with us. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me out. Look at that. You're already a fan favorite. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty well done. Uh, the first thing I learned about Mike Walls um, is from Berwyn, Pennsylvania, which is a Philadelphia suburb, as Chris and I both know, being a Philadelphian. But what I found out is you're not a true Philadelphian, are you, Mike? Give us, give us the background. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, although you're sitting up here <laughs> with two Eagles fans today. But anyway, give us the background of, of how you wound up in suburban Philadelphia. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Atlanta, Georgia for 13 years. I moved in eighth grade, but I was originally born in Boston, so... It's nice to claim their sports fan bases, uh, but certainly in Philadelphia, that gets me in a little bit of trouble. So I, I keep it on the down low. I don't really tell anybody about that, but it's, uh, it's a good time to celebrate uh, in Philadelphia. So. But you're a lukewarm Eagles fan. It's lukewarm. Kind of... You know, I'm a, I have a subtle tolerance for the Eagles. You know what I mean? I'm not going to fly the Eagles banner on my wall. but Fair enough. But you're, you didn't walk in here like Grant Golden used to do with the New England Patriots or Red Sox I cap either. Right? No. You won't do that. I learned, yeah. All right. All right, very good. Well, let, let's just continue down that path then, and, and we'll get Coach Moody to kind of fill in the, the missing blanks here a little bit. But why Richmond? You know, how did you wind up? And we're very thankful that you did as a Richmond Spider. I mean, this is the perfect place. I mean, it's, it all starts with Coach Mooney uh, from the recruiting standpoint. Uh, nobody made me feel, like, more wanted than, than Coach Mooney. Um, and, you know, it was everywhere. It was at the AAU tournaments. It was the long late-night phone calls talking about some, some book that we read. Um, but it, it just it felt like the place. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Georgia. I always wanted to return back home somewhere down south, and I didn't want to leave my family. Uh, so I didn't go to the West Coast. I didn't go too far south. And Virginia just seemed like a, a great pick. And the style that Richmond plays with the big, uh, with Grant Golden, uh, certainly is attractive. Um, and that's what I wanted to be. I didn't want to be a pick-and-roll big. I wanted to you know, have the offense on me uh, and have the attention. So... It just felt like the right spot. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful place, as I've learned over the last couple of months, and uh, the community has definitely embraced me. So, who, uh, who else was interested, if I may ask? Yeah, so, I mean, I think I had around 10 offers, like a formally. Um, certainly, uh, I, I feel like I'm a smart guy, so I was definitely looking at the Ivy League. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, Princeton was in my final three. Um, and then I, I also had some big dogs coming after me, like Penn State was – Probably my second option, um, but that's a completely different field than Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was a lot of hard late-night conversations with my parents, everyone in my circle. Um, but yeah, it was it was. I, I felt like it was the right time to commit. Um, you know, with the, the transfer portal stuff, guys coming back for the fifth year, COVID year stuff. It's like 
this is the perfect place for me. Why wait? So, yeah, I committed a little bit early, but I don't regret it in the slightest. Uh, one more, and then we'll get the coach's perspective on this. Did you enjoy the recruiting process? Was it a pain in the butt? Uh, what was the recruiting process? My parents like? might say otherwise. There was a, a couple times we'd be out at dinner, and there'd be a coach calling me. I'd be like, ah, I really don't want to pick it up and move my family phones away. Uh, but it was hectic. I mean, I, I grew up, I, I didn't play basketball much. I was a golfer. I was a baseball player. Uh, so basketball was not on my horizon at all. Um, and then suddenly in sophomore year, I start getting calls during COVID. And it, was, it just hit me like a wall. Like I was like, uh, I don't know how to approach this. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, but it was so much fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I would love to go back and experience it again, just the feeling of being wanted. So, yeah, it was a great experience. All right, Coach Mooney, you were one of those calling him on his phone. Your assistants obviously were doing likewise. From the coach's perspective, what kind of turned you on initially to, to a guy who hadn't played a lot of basketball, apparently, in Mike Walls? Yeah, so we had gotten a tip that there was a guy at Conestoga High School, which years ago they had a player go to Davidson named, uh, he had a great career. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. I can't think of it either. No. But he had a, a great career at Davidson. This is while I was, I was at Richmond, and um, – so we went to see him the first time I – well, Mike came down first and uh, visited us in the, in the summer. Correct. And we were – we had our guys playing, and um, we had a workout. And when we sat down to talk with him after, we said, what, what, did you, what did you think of the workout? And he really hit on all the parts that we enjoy about it and, you know, the ball movement and the players being involved and the big guys being treated more like – basketball players and not just bigs and uh so we really like that you could tell how he's uh you know he's a really really intelligent guy his incredible uh high school transcript and he's also a scratch golfer not just a golfer but a scratch golfer if you can see how you <laughs> yeah, a lot of golfers in the audience yeah. right <laughs> um and so then we went to see him play there, there was a an event at saint joe's prep where he played with his high school team. So when you see guys play with their high school team, especially big guys, you know, there aren't many other – there are not a lot of guys like his size running around. And so in AAU, he's matched up with guys who are as big as he is pretty often, but not in high school. And I forget who they were playing, but, you know, the tallest guy was 6'3 or 6'4. And uh, the first thing I noticed is Mike still was posting up just as hard as possible <laughs> like he was posting up Shaq. <laughs> And I said, wow, this guy loves contact, you know. And uh, and then the second thing I noticed was how good his passing was. Hmm. Um, and that's a really rare combination for the great centers that we've had, Grant, Dan Giroux, and TJ. Um, you know, they, they've been more finesse players, which fits – the passing fits a little bit. Um, and for Mike to be a physical player uh, and a player who likes that contact and, you know, can – can use that to his advantage being a great passer is just very rare and that day he must have thrown you know eight to ten beautiful passes and um you know i just was sold immediately and i we kept come he had visited the week before and then we got to see him that weekend and then i offered him i think that monday uh because we were just you know i was just blown away by his athleticism and size physicality and his passing were all just a really unique combination. And he was in the timeline post-COVID, right? He was able to make visits. You were able to visit. Because yes. we've had guys, obviously the older yeah. guys on this show, who have said, you know, I, I never yeah. came yeah. down to Richmond or that kind of thing. Yeah, Mike came down, um, and they use, you can get use 48 hours for your visit, and they use the full 48 hours. <laughs> uh, he came down with his uh, mom and dad and his sister, and um, his mom, who's – 
incredible person, is very thorough, and um, lots of great questions, but we had great time together. He hit it off with the guys, and, you know, a, a, a selling point to Richmond for, for Mike and a lot of guys, but especially Mike, was the academics and the reputation of, of the school because he's such an outstanding student uh, and the things that we thought he'd be able to accomplish here both athletically and academically. All right, well, let's finish this segment with the academic side of it because Richmond is a strong academic school, and we'll put that up in front in our conversation. You already met one of our fans tonight before you came on, who's a former high school principal Mm -hmm. who always enjoys hearing about the academic side of our our student-athletes. So give us kind of the path. We know you're a freshman. All decisions aren't made yet. And how the college course load has gone for you from Conestoga High School to the University of Richmond. Yeah, so certainly nothing's final right now. Uh, and even, you know, a couple of years ago when I was getting recruited, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was like, you yeah, know, maybe I want to be a lawyer, political science, history is my best subject. Uh, my dad's in marketing, um, and so I've been able to experience that secondhand uh, during COVID when he's working from home and whatnot. Uh, but I'm thinking of going into finance right now. I've taken a couple of introductory, you know, macroeconomics, microeconomics. Uh, I'll be taking accounting, uh, certain, certainly something in the business school. I mean, Robin School business is unbelievable. And you hear all the stories and you know, all these guys going out there, making a lot of money, being very successful, having all these connections. And certainly with basketball, that allows you to be on the forefront of that discussion. Um, but I, is, is in terms of classes, uh, I hate to say this, but it's, it's, it's introductory courses. I don't think it's too challenging right now. It's a lot of the gen eds. I heard the public speaking course was really challenging last Public semester. speaking, yeah. I mean, that was a little bit. You could already take this seat, I can, I can tell, on the other side of the table. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but it's been fairly simple. I mean, nothing too crazy. I, I finished with a very solid, very uh, good GPA in, in my books. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get more towards you know, the business courses, exploring more of what the school has to offer. How about the time management side of it between the courses, the papers, the homework, the basketball, the weightlifting time in the training room, perhaps all of that? That's something they don't tell you. I mean, when they recruit <laughs> you, it's not so much you don't have time for homework, but uh, <laughs> basketball is certainly a commitment and one that I, I deeply cherish. Um, but with that being said, we have plenty of free time. I mean, uh, plenty of hours to do your homework, especially as a freshman. There's, I'm not, you know, maybe a couple papers here and there, uh, maybe some worksheets, but it, it's easy. Um, maybe if we're talking in a couple of years, I might be saying something different, but for now, yeah. It's- we will be talking in a couple of years. We'll remember this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll bring that one up. All right, let's get back out onto the basketball court. We'll do that when we come back in just a moment. We're right at the bottom of the hour, and we'll talk some spider hoops with Mike Walls, Spider Freshman Center, our guest on tonight's Behind the Web from Short Pump. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment on 1061 ESPN. To the show, Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer and Short Pump. Once again, here's Bob Black on the Spider Sports Network and 1061 ESPN. Noise with the rebound. And Noise will shoot it to Nelson, who dribbles up the far wing. Beat it inside the walls. Open underneath. And the catch. He turns and lays it in for Mike Walls. All right, welcome back. Second half hour of Behind the Web from World of Beer here in Short Pump. Bob Black with you on a Monday night. We're here each and every Monday night during the college basketball season from 6 until 7 o'clock with Coach Mooney and our special player and coach guests. Player tonight, Spider Freshman Center, Mike Walls. Mike, our audience has heard a couple of those highlights as we have uh, come back from break. Now tell us what your game is all about. Give us kind of a synopsis of what strengths and maybe areas that you're working on in your game that Mike Walls has. Yeah, I think Coach uh, said it first. I, 
one of the prides I have is one my fitness. I w- always want to be the strongest guy out there. I want to be best shape possible. So I'm playing under fifth years. I'm playing under seniors, which is wonderful to learn from in itself. But that gives me the opportunity um, to really work on my strength, my endurance, my my fitness overall in general, my nutrition even so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably you know it's it's a joke. You know I'm so strong, whatever, and you know I make a mistake and it comes back to haunt me. But <laughs> I think passing, of course, is probably what stands out the most to me um again i'm a freshman i don't want to take you know all these shots uh, i want to set my teammates up i want to make them look good and that's what you know gives me a thrill in the game uh and I, i've been working on extending my three-point shot it hasn't shown up this year so far but uh, in years to come in games to come i hope to be able to show it off and being able to pair that with a low post presence being six foot eleven um i think that'll be pretty lethal in the a10 if i can craft it mm-hmm. uh, like i want to so you and our strength coach jay DeMeo are probably pretty tight with JD. all the talking you're doing about the way I, every when we're on the road in the morning i'm stumbling down to get a cup of coffee you're in the weight room on about your 20th rep of something <laughs> aren't you arm farm yes yes you are I, I, that is not embellishing either either part of that the stumbling for coffee or the being in the weight room on, on your 20th rep already you mentioned a couple of times i'm a freshman i got to do this i got to do that it, it, anybody that looks at our roster looks at it and goes goes, wow, they only have one freshman, one true freshman. Obviously, the redshirt freshmen are in their second year. Has that been impactful at all? Has that been, I don't even say an issue. I know it's not an issue, but you're going through this for the first time. Everybody else on the team, either at Richmond or somewhere in college, has gone through college basketball before. Yeah, certainly. I knew what I was, the situation I was stepping into. I knew with limited scholarships, I knew with the transfer portal, there just wasn't going to be a lot of freshmen on the roster. And certainly that might have scared me away a little bit, but at the same time, I came here and I loved it. I met the, I met the guys, uh, certainly the sophomores, guys across the team, Tyler Burton, the, the seniority on the team, really made me feel comfortable and accepted and Sure, it's difficult to go get D-Hall alone in the morning or whatnot after a lift. Um, but they, they truly made me feel accepted, uh, and I think that's just a testament to the, to the Richmond basketball program is that you know, no matter what your age is, it's, it's a group of guys, it's a brotherhood, uh, and they, they swept me under their, their wing for sure. Chris, was that something that, that you had to address, the one freshman, either with Mike, Mike's parents, your assistant coaches, your players? Because yeah, it's a little bit unusual to only have one player in a class. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I think that specifically when you look back at it, what, you know, Mike signed before the season started, and so we're not sure if Andre and Matt – are going to come back. Mm-hmm. Going to come back uh, during last season. You could be over the 13 scholarship limit, uh, but everybody this year has to be at 13 uh, scholarships or less. And so um, you, you just there's so many un- so many more unknowns nowadays. You know, and, and Mike talking about it from from the re- perspective of a recruit, he probably has the best. Um, attitude about it because it's really hard you know we'll we'll run into sometimes in recruiting and uh you know i'm sure we do this also but another school say we'll look at the rosters and compare the rosters and that used to be a really helpful tool to say like well look there's there's certainly opportunity here now it's uh you know we say well yeah look at the roster now but on april 5th it could be so different now richmond's has been pretty much as as stable as anyone's Mm -hmm. um but there's still going to be change. And, you know, the one thing about the portal is, uh, you know, it, it's hard to project because 
you know, if you said all the guys, okay, everybody's coming back, great, we're excited about that, and then uh, someone comes in, they think, well, shoot, that's my position, then they might have to reevaluate it. It's, it's really, it's very tricky now, and I think there's got to be a certain amount of, um, uh, a certain leap of faith, you know, confidence in yourself, mm-hmm. confidence that, you know, you fit into how the, the style of play, the school plays, um, and then that, 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 you know, you'll work hard enough to make things work out. Uh, because if you try to examine it too much like you could five years ago, I think it'd just be more confused than anything or it would lead to being fe- feeling misled, e- even if you weren't purposefully misled, feeling misled. And I think you have to have that, you know, confidence in yourself, confidence in, okay, they play the style that I can excel at. Uh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to make them play me and be a big part of it. Just seems like another one of the guys. I mean, yeah. traveling all the time with you guys. Just couldn't couldn't tell. It's not like the old days where, like, I don't know if you if Pete Carrill did this or not, but like you'd go to pregame meal and the coach would be, "All right, seniors, right. go up and eat. <laughs> Juniors, go up and eat." So, you know, all the way yeah, down right. to the low on the totem pole. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. No, we <laughs> yeah, we haven't really done that. No. But but yeah, Mike certainly is. Um, I mean, obviously he's. You know, the, the greatest way to earn respect on a team is to work hard, and Mike works really hard. Uh, you know, he's lucky being a freshman. He gets a lot of the coaching, a lot of the attention. <laughs> and so, uh, but the best way to earn your respect is to not hang your head, work as hard as you can, uh, you know, and, and be a great teammate. And then, and then usually it happens very quickly. So take us through that, Mike. Compare and contrast kind of your time on the practice floor, which there's been a lot of coaching going up against Neil and Matt and others, actually, as opposed to the, the limited time so far that you've gotten on the court during games. Yeah, it's it's an incredible experience to learn behind such accomplished players like Grant Golden here over the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one has been better for the program in the last you know decade probably than Grant Golden, and it, it's truly incredible to learn post moves. His mindset, how he approaches the game of basketball, as well as Neil and, and Matt. You know, they bring different skill sets to the table, uh, and that's something I've tried to adapt into how I play the game of basketball. And but I, I've tried to accept my role here, uh, and I certainly have. I, I anything I can do to help the team win, I will do. If that's working hard in practice, uh, pushing Neil to be the best player he can be, uh, to try and put up 20 points a night, which is we're on track for that. Uh, hopefully, as we head towards the A10 tournament. Um, anything I can do, best locker room presence I can be uh, to uplift the spirits after a loss or celebrate during a win, just be an energy guy on the bench. Uh, and certainly when I get in there, I try and make the most of it. Uh, as a freshman, everything's a little spinning once you first get in there, but I think those those spins have worked their way out of the system. So the phrase we always hear is the game slows down eventually. Uh, I'm guessing you maybe haven't had enough minutes yet for the game to slow down. I mean, what's kind of the feel when you do get into some of these games? I, I was joking with my parents when I first got in. I, I think it was against Drake, and I stepped up to the free throw line, my first college points on the line. My legs were shaking. You couldn't see it happening. <laughs> and we were oh. up by 30. <laughs> we were up by 30. Um, so that was – a little nerve-wracking, uh, and I, I've made my fair share of mistakes when I get on the floor, and I deservedly deserve to hear so. Um, <laughs> but I try and take it in stride um, and work better, uh, work harder each and every day on the practice floor. So uh, when my name is called, I can be the best player I can be and help the team win. What has this last little stretch been like? Obviously, there have been some struggles here of late. For, for you and the guys and kind of how you've handled it's a long season, how you guys have kind of handled this and what you're trying to do to kind of get out of it starting Wednesday night. Yeah, so actually uh, yesterday 
uh, a couple of the seniors on the team called a players meeting. Uh, after a couple losses like this and the fashion that we lost, something's got to change. Uh, we can't be accepting of these losses. Uh, this just isn't the standard of Richmond basketball. Again, I haven't been here for long, but I, I'm aware uh, of leadership that needs to happen, of the standard that Richmond basketball needs to set. Uh, and we were playing way below that standard. Um, so we had a players meeting. Uh, everyone got their voices heard. Uh, and I think that showed up at practice today. We've had a couple of awful practices, I'll say. Uh, and I thought today was super high energy. And there was a lot of intensity. We were competing every minute of practice. Uh, and I think that's the type of practice you want to carry over into a game against St. Bonaventure, uh, where we have three of three of our next four games, I believe, are home. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a statement to try and move back up the, the standings heading into the tournament. Uh, you're nodding your head in approval here, Chris, when the head coach hears that kind of, of things that are happening with your team. How does that make you feel? Yeah, but great. And, and I'm you know, not surprised. I think that uh, you know, we, we had a bad practice on Friday, which was this, this group has practiced really well. You know, not, not surprising. Tyler, the older guys are hard workers and very steady, and so that's not surprising. Uh, we, but we've really had very good practices and competitive uh, and Friday in particular was was not good, and uh, you know I, I think that that was I was more disappointed in that um, than anything else uh, because I felt like you know you're not giving yourself the best chance to prepare for a really good team, and so um, you know I, I, these guys are committed. Um, you know there's there were guys in the gym all the time. There are guys who are trying to be good. You know the leadership while it's you know, fairly understated, Andre and Matt, um, and Tyler, they're not, you know, grab you and get in your face, guys. But in terms of working and doing the right things and um, committing themselves to the team, they're A+. Plus. And so that doesn't surprise me. And, and uh, I think when you get to this point in the season, as I mentioned to the guys today, you know, you have to take the frustration and the disappointment of those games and not, you know, give them tension or give them – um, you know, any kind of down feeling or depression, you want to infuse energy into those and, mm -hmm. you know, know that we're working really hard and <clears throat> uh, having great energy to, to overcome that because you don't want that tension to creep in uh, because someone's pouting or a couple guys are pouting. You know, you want to really attack it. And, you know, the team that wins the national championship will have a three-game losing streak <laughs> this year, you know. And so uh, when, you, when you play in a high-level conference against really good nationally recognized programs the schedule can be very hard at times and the most important thing is to zero in and come bounce back and have a great practice today and tomorrow and, and play as well as you can Wednesday last thought for you Mike uh, we'll let you go get to your dinner and I know you'll be back uh, several times on this program with us but halfway through conference play now right at nine games nine to go you've alluded to that what have your kind of impressions been thoughts been of Atlantic 10 play both games on the court the travel everything the coach was just talking about I'm sure you were familiar with it somewhat in suburban Philadelphia with LaSalle and St. Joe's um, being in the league it'll be a two-pronged question and how nice will it be to get back up to Philadelphia oh. for a couple games this next month I can't wait to see my family up there certainly I'll be stealing all the tickets to use <laughs> for my friends and family um, no but the 8-10 play has been awesome I, I, I remember I I basically watched every single game, Richmond game last year, as with my dad trying to break down what can I do, like how can I impact the game, uh, and watching some of these incredible guys in the A10. This is, you know, 
second to none conference. I mean, every game in and out, you're playing elite competition. This guy's going to the draft. This this program's nationally recognized. So it's it's awesome getting to see everywhere on the East Coast. And eventually when we get out to St. Louis, mm-hmm. that'll be a new experience yeah. for me as well. <laughs> I've been relatively confined to the Philadelphia area for the last five years. <laughs> Not a bad thing. <laughs> Come on now. Not a bad thing. City of Champions. Come on now. <laughs> right. All right, Mike, we're going to let you go. We'll let you go eat. I know this crowd is looking forward to seeing you on the court next and back here with us at another Coaches Show. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank Mike you. Walls, Spider Freshman Center. Terrific job. Great guest for us this evening on Behind the Web. we got some terrific questions from the audience and off of uh, the text line and emails. We're going to get to those with Coach Moody. When we come back, final segment coming up after the break, 1061 ESPN. Up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. And yeah, we are uh, really glad to be back home for the next couple of games as we were just talking about Wednesday night against St. Bonaventure at 7 o'clock. Our airtime at 6.30 on 106.1 ESPN. We're also on Masson 2, our regional sports network. Uh, Greg Beckwith and I will be on uh, the television side and, and Robert Fish and Matt Smith on radio for that one. And then a rare Sunday game, high noon game against Fordham, uh, one of the vastly improved teams in the Atlantic 10. Uh, noon game that's on usa network sunday and greg and i'll be on the radio at uh, 11 30 sunday morning uh, for that one all right let me get a couple of uh, questions in to coach mooney before we finish up here this evening let me go to the ones uh on the napkin from in in here in the house here at world of beer let me stick my glasses on here so i read this uh correctly all right uh, both these are timing questions uh coach first on the shot clock as it is dwindling down does everyone have a green light to shoot if the opportunity presents itself with that clock going down to five four three two one uh, yes, everybody would have the green light. I would say that, um, you know, we try to have some, um, you know, most teams, what they call a late clock situation, will go to a ball screen, uh, whereas sometimes we'll do that, but not all the time. And so, um, you know, what we do try to do is we, we try to, the most important thing is us is to to be alert to the clock, but not to be, you know, sometimes people shoot too quickly with five seconds left. Mm-hmm. You know, and five is not not the not the time they have to shoot by. And so, <laughs> I think over the years we've had a fair amount of shots at right right before the clock expires. So we want to maintain it really kind of about maintaining poise. You know, in reality, some games it happens. You know, it's toward the end of close games. You see it happen much more where the clock gets low. Uh, but in reality, it doesn't happen a ton during the course of of every game. Uh, but when it does happen, yes, I'd say everybody has a green light. And really what we're trying to do is everybody have a green light to make a play. So not necessarily to dribble around and shoot a, an almost impossible shot. But when there are six seconds and five seconds or, or even a little bit more, start to try to make a play that everybody recognizes where we can get a good shot if, if we happen to be late in the clock. Uh, now, that's, of course, not perfectly executed every time. But the main thing we're trying to do is try to continue to have poise continue to try to get a good shot and sometimes also you can take advantage of the defense because they're a little bit more anxious late in the clock sure and they might not be staying in their uh proper um alignment or their their proper uh setup so uh we, we do have those situations we practice those situations and 
we really try to have guys. It's so we don't really look at it as a green light for everybody to shoot. Of course we should if it was down to one. Uh, but an opportunity for everybody to try to make a play, something that we all recognize that we can all play off of when it gets to about seven or six. All right. Now, end of half, and I guess even end of game situation, but specifically the question on the napkin, end of half, when is the optimum time to start the play? Is it with 10 seconds to go on the half? Is it with eight seconds yeah. to go on the half so that you're not rushing that shot at the end of the half? Yeah, so... Uh, this is something that we, we, we also practice a fair amount. So um, it depends on the play. Mm-hmm. You know, since our plays can be a little bit involve more passing, so we might have to start a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So if you're just coming down, it was just the point guard getting a ball screen from the big guy, you might start at 6 or 7. You know, if we're throwing passes around and we're able to, we might start at 10 or 11 so that the ball can change sides of the court and be moved. Um, and another thing is what we're trying to do, uh, we've been, I think we've been pretty good at this, is trying to get a two for one mm. at the end of the first half. So mm-hmm. the shot, the, the, uh, in the last minute of the game, the clock stops every time there's a basket scored. In the last minute of the half, it does not stop. So if you score with, 32 seconds they might not in inbound the ball till 28 and they have the last shot yep so we talk about this two for one where you probably want to shoot by 40 seconds so that you'll you'll be guaranteed to get 10 12 eight seconds or something like that on the on the last shot of the half so those are things that we practice and are try to be aware of and you know the two for one, especially at the end of the half, is something that we really that we really pay close attention to. Interesting, really interesting stuff. Great questions as well. Uh, Wednesday night, St. Bonaventure, uh, second time around opponent here. How much? What do you kind of take out of that first game? How much do you you know look at that balanced with just what we're doing now and what they're doing now? Yeah, I think yeah, both both of those things. I, I thought we probably played one of our best, if not our best, defensive halves in the first half mm-hmm. in Olean. Um, you know, we really guarded them well. They had, I think they had 23, and they had uh, two technical foul shots and a banked Bank in three. Rush, so, yeah. so we played very well defensively. They uh, were more aggressive and were able to get out in transition in the second half. Um, so, we, you know, obviously we look at both of those. Uh, and they're a team that's very much um, driven by their pattern and their play calling. Uh, they have good players, and they've been able to replace a lot of guys who left with good players. Uh, and even with veteran players, they're very much, you know, pattern-driven and play-driven. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, apply the same principles that we had in the first half of the last game uh, and, and defend as well as we possibly can. Uh, I think that we'll, we, we have a chance to be a little bit better offensively by virtue of being home. Um, you know, hopefully, Neil, that, w- that was one of the games that we really wanted him to be more aggressive and assertive. I think he's really kind of pushed through that and gotten to the point where he is. So uh, we- we'll look at both, but we, you know, like everything starts with your defense, and I hope we can display the same defense we did in the first half last game. Interesting road trip for them, right? I mean, they yeah. were here to play VCU Saturday night. Obviously, they're feeling good about things because they won that game, but but staying the entire time, so literally around six days, yeah. Here, yeah. they're going to play property tax, I think, by the time <laughs> they, they leave here. Can you ever remember uh, us doing that? Not, not in like one of those 
season tournament. I get that, but where you would spend that much time? We we did it once, uh, maybe my first or second year. We played LaSalle and St. Joe's back to back. And actually, this is a funny story that reminded me. We we went to LaSalle and uh, we played them on a weekday, and Coach Carrillo was there, and we played at noon. So we called LaSalle and we said, uh, hey, we have, you know, I, I'm from Philadelphia. We had a lot of the staff from Philadelphia, some players. And we said, could we, you know, we're, we need uh, 140 tickets, more, more than the allotment. And they said, okay, okay. And, and they called back and they said, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll give you those extra tickets for their $20 tickets. We'll give them to you for $10. So it was a great. So we went, we had the tickets. We won the game in triple overtime. And um, we were driving and we stayed up there because we were playing St. Joe's. We were driving back to the hotel. And we said that was great that we got the tickets for $10. And here everybody got admitted free because it was the, it was the, uh, the kids' school game. So there were only 140 people that paid for tickets that day. And it was Richmond. So. In your hometown they In our did hometown. that to you. In our hometown. Should have known. Um, would you do that if that I'm, I'm trying to think of how that would happen for a richmond or a vcu where would we be going where there'd be two games like that philly obviously i guess would be one of them yeah philadelphia would be one i maybe if you were in st louis and Dayton, maybe, maybe. Yeah. uh but yeah that's that's a fair amount of time to, yeah. to stay that is yeah. just back home and yeah, and yeah absolutely <laughs> all right glad we're back home this week wednesday uh seven o'clock st bonaventure and sunday noon against fordham and then back here next monday night with the next edition of behind the web thank you coach mooney Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. One quick last question for you. Who wins the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'd say uh, Eagles 27-21. I'll ask you again next week just yeah. in case you change your mind, which I don't think you will. Robert Oley on location. Thanks for producing James Flowers at our ESPN Richmond Studios. Talk to you Wednesday night from the Robbins Center for Spider Basketball. Thanks, everyone, for being with us tonight here at World of Beer on 106.1 ESPN. To behind the Web from World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street, featuring head men's basketball coach Chris Moore. Tonight's show has been brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners Co-Star Group and Bon Secours Health System, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join us throughout the college basketball season for Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer in Short Pump. Thanks for listening, and stay in touch with Richmond Athletics on the flagship station of the Spider Sports Network, ESPN Richmond. Executive producer Mitchell Bradley. This has been a presentation of Playfly Sports in association with Richmond Sports Properties.